0: Happy to see all of you guys here. As Wes said, happy to have those of you that are with us online. Mark and I missed being in here with you last weekend. We were in the marriage workshop over there teaching. We had a great time. That is ongoing today. I want to remind you if you've signed up for that at 1130, um, they'll be in there today.
1: Or if you didn't sign up if you didn't sign there. up that's yeah. right
0: go on over there we, uh, you'll, you won't regret it there's a lot of good information giving out that'll be one more weekend of that next weekend next
1: weekend Lauren I'll be teaching back over there in the NPR and we are excited about closing out with transformation
0: we yep. are But we're excited to be here. I think this uh, Smart Home series has been really great. We've looked at our relationships. We've looked at our finances. We've talked about communication. I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot over the course of these weeks, and I'm excited for that. And and today, we want to talk about something that just might change everything for you and your relationships, whether it's a marriage or a work relationship, a partnership that you have. We want to talk about Finding healing, how to recover from hurt in relationships, because hurt happens, right? A lot of times we try to deny that and pretend that it doesn't. But if you're going to be in a human relationship, hurt is going to happen. Like Wes said, if you want to find the sermon notes, you can uh, text Best You to 97000. You can go to the Cof app as well, and you'll find them there. But you'll, um, we're excited to look at this today. My mother always says. There are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people. And I think that's true. And some of us are a little less perfect than others. Did she look over this gonna, way when she said that? <laughs> not gonna name any names, and you shouldn't point at anybody either, but I, thought I
1: saw her eyes go Um that.
0: in any relationship that lasts over time, we're gonna hurt and we're gonna cause hurt because we're just human and we're fallible. Conflict is a given. It's not just romantic partners that experience conflict. It can even be conflict within the whole family system. Maybe it's underlying feelings of discomfort that nobody's talked about. Or maybe it's just conflict um, over debate over dinner or... Our family can have a lot of stress. Our root conflicts can be as simple as a different opinion or a different political persuasion or a different experience or taste or perspective or or different opinions. I mean, they can be those simple things, but they can lead to toxic patterns if we don't talk about it and we don't deal with it. And so it might not be that there's a lack of love between you, but rather a lack of resolution of conflict. And I think it's so important for our relationships. According to Gerald Foley, who wrote the book Courageous Love, he says relationships often break down because of an accumulation of hurts from indifference, insensitivity, retaliation, criticism, nagging, or hurting the other to get attention. When we get hurt, the pain makes us turn in on ourselves, focusing on the pain rather than on the other person. The one who's hurt and the one who does the hurting Both need to find healing, and that's what we want to talk about today.
1: I think when it comes to conflict, uh, we have a lot of confusion about what we want, uh, how to get it, and even really what we really want in it. I heard a college professor uh, talking not long ago, and he was talking about his college freshman class that he had. And he said, you know, being freshmen, it's always interested, interesting because they're just new to college. And um, he said, he stood up on the first day, he gave them the syllabus and he said, this class consists of three papers, all of your grades, 100% of your grade, there's no test, won't even be a final, three papers. One's due in October, one's due in November, one's due in December. They need to be on my desk at the beginning of class if they're even one minute late. That's a zero. This is college now, guys. You're in college. You're not in high school anymore. He said that the October date came around, and he said most of the papers were on his desk, but there were ten of the saddest looking freshmen that you ever have seen in your life. They just looked terrible. And he said that they said, Professor, we we didn't get it finished, we didn't get it done. And please, is there any way that we can have just a, a, a little bit more time just to, and he said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, this is your first paper, I'm gonna give you, I'll give you to the end of the week to get it in. If it's not in by the end of the week, it's a zero. Oh, thank you, professor. He said the November date came around for the due date, and he said there were like 25 little freshmen out there that looked like they were about to puke. And, and he said, um, he just looked at them and he was going like, what's up? And they said midterms midterms we had like two other papers to turn in and we had all these midterm tests we didn't get it in professor please if please 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 if you will just give us a little more time we'll get it in he goes i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give you to the end of the week if you get it in by the end of the week then that'll be fine he said december due date rolled around and there were about 75 he had about 100 in the class (laughs) He said, 75 of the most nonchalant-looking freshmen that you ever had seen. He only had 25 papers on his desk. And the rest of them uh, said, oh, no sweat, Prof. We'll have it in by the end of the week. We promise. We'll get it in by the end of the week to you. You know, he had a lot of other stuff going on, but we promise we'll get it in. And he said he just pulled out his little grade book, and he started going down the line. He said, Greenberg, did you turn in your paper today? And he said, no, but I'll have it by the end of the week. And he said, Zero went to the next one did you turn in your paper no no zero he said the class erupted he said you've never seen such an eruption he said he said it was like they were all like that's not fair that's not right and Greenberg over on the side over there he 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 stood up he's this big old guy and he said we want justice and so the professor looked over he said Greenberg am I right in hearing that you want justice? justice that's right this wasn't fair we want justice he said well Greenberg as I recall you turned in your last two papers late also right and he said yeah and he goes all right we'll go back zero zero justice anybody else want justice he said it was dead silent he said for some reason nobody wanted justice and you see, I think a lot of times when we've been wronged, when we've been hurt, that's what we're saying. We're, we're screaming out for justice. But I'm wondering if that's what we really, really want. Because when we begin to see what Jesus said about forgiveness, what he said about letting go of some of these things, it's going to be a, a whole different thing. You see, there are feedback loops that are built into the universe, Uh, for example ladies when you're giving birth oxytocin causes you to start having contractions that natural hormone that's made in your body it's also the cuddle hormone but you don't feel like cuddling anybody in that moment right so it's working in a little different way and it causes a contraction and then you have a contraction you know what that does that releases oxytocin into your system. And so you have another contraction and it continues to get stronger and stronger and stronger until there's a new little life, right? And your husband's name is Mud or something right then, right? Because you're looking at him, don't you touch me. Don't even get close to me, but but it's built in. Another one that the Bible talks about is you reap what you sow and that's just true. You reap what you sow. And you reap later than you sow. You reap more than you sow. It's, it, it's a feedback loop that's built into the universe. I want us to talk about one because if we can synchronize, you know, some uh, psychiatrists and psychologists talk about living in synchronicity. If we can get in touch with what the, the universe says that God created, he built these feedback loops into the universe, And Jesus talks about one, and I think it's one of the most important ones for our relationship. So we're going to look at that this morning just briefly, but I want us to look at this feedback loop. Here, let me just read it to you. It's in Luke 6, 37 and 38. Jesus talking, words in red, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make more room, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now a lot of preachers use that as a giving message, right? You know, if you give It'll come back to you. And there's truth in that, but that's not what this is about. You see what Jesus was talking about here, right? He was talking about forgiveness, not money. He was saying, if you give forgiveness, it'll come back on you. In fact, it'll come back on you tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. It's gonna come back on you. That's the feedback loop of forgiveness. Maybe the reason why, things seem so uphill for you right now just in life in general is that you are not forgiving you have not been willing to forgive maybe the reason you're having a, such a hard time forgiving is because you've never really understood the high cost of not forgiving so we'll talk about that maybe the reason you're having such a hard time forgiving is because you've never really understood God's forgiveness in your life and what it costs him we just sang a song about that what it cost him to give forgiveness and some of you are going that's fine Mark but I'm not forgiving what they did to me was unforgivable and I get that I'm not minimizing what was done to you some of you in your life you've had some things that have been done to you and truly they seem unforgivable Truly, they're horrific. Truly, I, I would never minimize what's been done to you. But I want you to understand some things, even as you deal with that this morning. Jesus, he told stories. They called them parables. You know what a parable is? It's trying to help us on earth understand heaven So he tries to bring it into an earthly story because God is not very understandable to us. You know, Uh, he is so much higher than us. He thinks so much differently than us. And heaven is so much different than we think that it's going to be. Jesus would give these little stories and he would say, God is like this or the kingdom of heaven is like this. And in Matthew 18, 23 and on, he, he gives one of those little stories let me just read it to you Jesus talking again words in red therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him this is the translation 10,000 bags of gold it's a good translation because we wouldn't understand the other it was really 10,000 talents of gold in the original language a talent That was the largest amount of money that that in the Roman empire that you would have, okay? A talent. It was worth about 20 years of a regular day laborers wage, 20 years of salary. And this guy owed the king 10,000 talents. Now 10,000 is also the highest Greek number. So what Jesus is basically saying is he owed this guy like a trillion dollars, you know, just this huge amount. The total revenue gathered from all of Galilee in a yearly basis, 300 talents. So this guy owed 10,000 talents. So you kind of get a, a, a picture of that. Verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the king, the master, ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before the king. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go wow so he's pleading for mercy Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this this guy's broken he's humble he's admitting that he's a debtor that he could never repay he's talking about sin here right And on his face, he's saying, Lord, be merciful to me. God seeks to bring all of us to that place in our life. This guy's there. Not all of us are there yet. A lot of us haven't figured out how badly we've messed up to a holy God. We don't understand. We think, well, we've been fairly good, you know, good old boy, you know, good outweigh my bad, hopefully. And, and, but we don't understand how awful sin is to God. And how he sees every single one. In fact, the Bible talks about how when someone is murdered, that the place where they're murdered, the stench of it rises up to God for the whole rest of the time that this earth is in existence. And you just imagine what that is like in God's nostrils from all of us. So he was so in debt so sinful that only one thing could be done you your family your wife your kids are going to be sold to pay the debt everything you hold dear is going to be sold to pay the debt it's still not even close you see if we're trying to earn our way to heaven there's not a chance there's only one hope and that's forgiveness grace mercy The whole reason for the cross. But here's this guy. I mean, he sees how broken he is. He gets how in debt he is. But like so many broken men and women, he still doesn't really understand. So he says, have patience with me. Lord, just just give me a chance. And I'll do better. I'll, I'll, I'll be better. Some of you are going, yeah, right. Like he could ever repay. He couldn't repay and he knows it. Now, I, I think this is a highly emotional moment. I, I think that this guy really believes that somehow he's going to repay that debt, even though it's not payable. And I think that's the first response a lot of times that comes to us when we see our sinfulness. I've got to shape my life up. I've got to uh, get more moral. I, I, I need to be a better person, turn over a new leaf, make some new you know, resolutions, I, I, I wanna reform myself. This guy's admitted his debt, he's admitted his sin. He's seen the lostness of his condition, but he doesn't really quite understand how that debt could ever be paid. And so he just says, just, just give me a chance, give me a chance, I'll do the best I can. And, and he's like a lot of us, when we get a, a feeling of the immensity of our sin, our debt before holy God we seek to be religious but religion is not going to do it just coming to church is not going to do it just trying to be more moral is not going to do it it's it's not uncommon we want to be better we want to make ourselves better God just give me time and I'll work on myself so he's humbled he's broken he cries for mercy his heart attitude is right Everything is right for something, but he doesn't understand grace and forgiveness yet. So the Lord has him right where he wants him. The king, Martin Luther, the reformer, back in uh, so many hundreds of years ago, he he said, the convicting power of the law of God has smashed and crushed him, talking about this passage. So he cries out, give me time and I will repay. I want you to notice what the king did, because if I would have been the king, I would have looked at him and said, you are an utter idiot you can never repay this king didn't even mention that did he he didn't talk about the impossibility he didn't say oh silly man you could never repay this what does he say and remember jesus started by saying this is how heaven operates this is what god is like i love this what did the king say i forgive you i release you from this crushing unpaybackable thing Then Jesus goes on with the story. But when that servant went out, verse 28, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, denarii. Denarii is a day's wage, a laborer's day's wage. So this guy owes him 100 days wages. Now remember, he owes the king 10,000 talents, and each talent is 20 years wages so he owes the king 200,000 years of wages and this guy owes him 100 days of wages so what does he do he grabbed him and began to choke him did you know under Roman law if someone owed you money you could legally choke them don't you wish that was still the law I mean you could you could yeah somebody said amen to that that's good this whole sermon's for you Okay, <laughs> owed him money you could choke him literally and he said pay back what you owe me he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him be patient with me and I will pay it back but he refused instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt when the other servants saw what had happened they were outraged and they went and told the king, their master everything that had happened then the master called the servant in you wicked Servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't and shouldn't, it's a, it's a moral obligation. It's a requirement in the Greek. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the king, his master, handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he had owed and and then this is the kicker just in case we didn't get it Jesus Jesus says this this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart wow said well no Mark that's not accurate because God is love He, he would never do that oh so you know more about what God is like than Jesus does? You see, Jesus said, this is what God's gonna do.
0: When we fail to
1: forgive, God doesn't even have to torture us. The torturers just naturally come, that resentment and all the things that build up inside of us and begin to eat us up from from the inside out. We lock ourselves in a jail of resentment of torment and hurt and we rehearse that hurt over and over and over you know there are millions of people in this world there's some of us in this room this morning that are locked in a jail cell of our own making tormented by that year after year Now, I think one of the reasons why is because we don't always understand exactly what forgiveness is. So let's talk a little bit about that.
0: I think you can see and probably have experienced why forgiveness or unforgiveness causes conflict in relationships. Just like Mark talked about, because you have people that are bitter and angry and and carry that around year after year. I think when we're talking about forgiveness, sometimes it's helpful to look at what forgiveness isn't to understand what forgiveness is. So I wanna take a look at a couple of things that forgiveness is not this morning. The first one is, is that forgiveness is not conditional. In other words, it's not based on some certain condition. There's no if then to forgiveness. The Bible says the exact opposite, in fact. The Bible teaches that real forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, is unconditional. It's not something the person who hurt you has to earn. It's not something they deserve. It's not something that person has to buy or bargain for. It's not something they receive when they promise not to hurt you again. Forgiveness is unconditional. There's no such thing as, I will forgive you if, because that's not real forgiveness, You're bargaining not forgiving. Genuine forgiveness is offered even when it's not asked for. We see the greatest example of this when we see Jesus on the cross. You remember what he said? He prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if you think about that situation, nobody there had asked for forgiveness yet. Nobody there deserved forgiveness. Certainly no one had been coming to Jesus asking for pardon, and yet he spoke the words. He offered it to them. He gave forgiveness before it was ever even asked for. That's the biblical example of what forgiveness is. There are no conditions to it. Genuine forgiveness starts in the heart of the one who has been wounded, and it's given without condition. The second important thing to know is that forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the event. Mark talked about this briefly earlier. It's not a pardon. It's not an excuse. It's not forgetting or denying or condoning what happened. I think often we think if we forgive, we're condoning what that person has done to us. But real forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not saying it's it's no big deal. It really didn't hurt. I mean, how many times have we said that? I'm okay. Don't worry about it. But that's not real forgiveness. If it hurt you, if it's something that hurt you, then it's worth forgiving. It didn't cause pain. If it didn't cause pain, there's nothing to forgive. But if it did, you don't need to minimize it in order to forgive. Forgiveness is saying, yes, it did hurt. Yes, you did cause pain to me. But I'm choosing to release it. I'm choosing to let it go and not hold it against you. Whenever you minimize a wrong and say it's no big deal, honestly, you're kind of cheapening forgiveness, right? and you're stepping out of intimacy. When you deny that you've been hurt, you can't really have an intimate relationship with your spouse or your partner or your friend or your child. You have to express what you genuinely feel. So forgiveness is not conditional. It's not minimizing the offense, but recognizing it. And forgiveness is not resuming a relationship without change. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. And I think a lot of us confuse those two. We think if we forgive, it means we have to uh, reconcile with that other person. But they're two different issues. It's not the same thing as rebuilding or restoring a relationship. Forgiveness is a choice you make in a moment. But trust has to be rebuilt over time. So if there's come a break in that relationship, there's a big difference between forgiving and trusting a person in a relationship. According to psychiatrist Dr. Karen Swartz at John Hopkins School of Medicine, she says the same thing. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation necessarily. She says having a relationship with someone in the future is about whether they are reliable and dependable and trustworthy. And sometimes in a relationship, trust is broken in such a way that reconciliation isn't in your best interest, and you know it. For instance, if you have been married for years to an alcoholic, or someone who has abused you and they have repeatedly hurt you over the course of time. And that person comes to you and they say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Your answer is yes, I forgive you because God commands you to forgive. It's a choice that you make. But then if they say, thank you for forgiving me, can I come home now and be here with you? Your answer is no. Because this building of trust in our relationship is going to take time. And I need to see evidence that you've made some lasting changes. You need to do work in your life. You need to go get counseling. You need to develop a track record to show me that there's been lasting, genuine change. That's reconciliation. But forgiveness is something we offer easily because God gave it. Forgiveness is based on grace, just like Mark talked about. But trust is earned. Trust is rebuilt over time, and if someone repeatedly hurts you, God has called you to repeatedly forgive them, but you're not obligated to instantly trust them and invite them back into your life. Forgiveness isn't resuming a relationship without proven change, and it may not be resuming the relationship at all. I also want you to see that forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. I know you've heard that phrase, forgive and forget, right? And that sounds really sweet and really good, but it doesn't work. (laughs) It's impossible for us to forget things. It's impossible for us to do that. I mean, if you try to forget something, if I had a water bottle sitting here and I said, I want you just to forget about that water bottle. Well, what's going to happen? Well, now you're focused on it, right? You're trying, you're thinking, I've got to forget it, I've got to forget it. And you can't do it. You're not designed that way. Some of you may have a hard time choosing to forgive because you think, you know, what she did to me, there's no way I can ever forget about that. It was so painful. But forgetting and forgiveness aren't the same thing. Honestly, the more painful something is, the less likely it is that you're going to forgive it. But here's the thing to remember. God designed us to remember. He created us that way. He designed your brain like a giant computer with all kinds of little compartments and you store things away in there. And maybe you've blocked something out or maybe trauma has caused you to to block something out or not have the timeline correct necessarily, but it's all in there. And if a surgeon were to probe your brain, he could touch on different areas and you would have the same feelings and the same smells and the same sensations that you experienced in that motion because it is stored in your brain. That's the way God made you and the way it's designed. You don't really forget anything. It's there. So forgiveness doesn't require forgetting. I think sometimes we misinterpret the scripture where God is speaking and he says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. But that's God speaking and he's talking about what God can do. He's not talking about you and me. We're not able to forget. We can't erase our memories. Some of us think, well, when I'm spiritually mature, I'll be able to forgive because then I'll be able to forget. And forgetting and forgiveness don't mean spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is choosing to forgive. It's not being able to forget. And there's actually something better than forgetting. Remembering but choosing to see how God worked anyway. Have you seen those things in your life? How God takes something that you think or that has been maybe the most horrible thing that happened to you in your life. But if you focus on what God has done in spite of it, the work that he's accomplished through it the the hurts that you experienced he uses to bring good just like Romans 8:28 says all things together for good that's better than forgetting when i remember god working through the painful circumstance when i see the amazing gifts that he's given to me how i grew in character how i made how i became more sensitive to the hurts and needs of other people the intimacy that i developed with the savior the the how it changed the direction of my life at a crucial point in my life all of those things are worth celebrating we don't want to forget those things so forgiveness is not conditional it's not minimizing it's not condoning and it's not forgetting and that pretty much blew out all my ideas of what forgiveness is right maybe for you too so mark how do we forgive what does it
1: take great question let's talk about that how do i forgive first remember how much i've been forgiven you really understand what it, it costs God to forgive you? I want you just to close your eyes just for a minute and just imagine Jesus on the cross. You see him there? He's beaten and bloody. He's dying. His lips are moving. and He's calling your name. This is for you. This is what it costs for you to be forgiven. And I love you. And I want relationship with you. And I want to walk with you. And he's calling your name. That's the cost. That's what it cost God. Be kind and compassionate to one another, the Bible says. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. You're not forgiven because you earned it. Look back up. You're not forgiven because... You were able to have your good outweigh your bad or whatever. You're not forgiven because God sees you. Oh, what a good person. The Bible says all of our sins, they're like that stench before God. They're like filthy rags to God. Our good works are like filthy rags. So what are our sins like? So remember how much you've been forgiven and what it cost. The second thing is relinquish my right to get even. This is a hard one until we understand it. Romans twelve nineteen says, "Never avenge yourselves; leave that to God, for He has said that He will repay those who deserve it." So, what is our reaction to hurt? When somebody hurts you, the typical reaction is retaliate, right? I mean, it's the American way. It's like we're we're, we're going to get even. We're gonna we're gonna even this thing up. We're gonna get revenge I mean don't just get mad get even right you know what the Bible says just get out of God's way did you know that that's what it means to forgive is to get out of God's way see God is a God of justice and he says I've got this and when you stand there not forgiving you're saying no I've got this And you were never created to be God, and you can't hold that. That unforgiveness will eat you alive. The torturers will come and eat your innards out. You can't hold it. You're not God, but you can give it over to God. That's what forgiveness is. I am going to get out of your way. I was counseling with a lady some time ago, years ago. She was raped uh, by a date in college, and the guy got away with it, I mean, totally. She said every time she thought about it, she just wanted to get a Louisville slugger baseball bat and just, you know, hit him over the head with it. And, but instead, she stepped out of God's way and forgave and said, God, I, I, can't, I, I forgive him. I lay this at your feet. I release him and you take care of it. You do what needs to be done. I asked her what his name was. She told me. I went home and I Googled his name just to see, you know, if he was president or what, you know, and see what had happened or, or judge or anything. And, and here's the thing. He'd been put in prison over some petty charge and he was killed by his cellmate in prison. I think God can handle stuff, you know, and she had totally forgiven him. But God takes that stuff seriously. You know, I don't know what God's going to do if you release that person to him. But I'll just tell you, he's got it. Life's not fair. And not everything is settled here on this earth, but God is going to settle the score one day. One day he's going to close the books. One day he's going to balance the ledger. He's going to even the odds. He's going to right the wrongs. And sometimes justice isn't done in this world i know that but it's not over god's not done the bible says it's appointed unto mankind once to die and after that the judgment that's when things get evened up but see when you hold it yourself it's kind of like cocking a powerful handgun and pointing it the barrel right at your chest so that when you pull the trigger that rebound will hit the other person in the face. Ha, got you, right? But it's not gonna work. It kills us. Even nature knows that. Dale Carnegie tells the story of a, a grizzly bear in Yosemite, grizzly bears, they don't have any natural predators or enemies. They're the largest predator in the United States and nobody comes against a grizzly. I don't know, I, I, my father-in-law, has a a pelt of a grizzly that he shot and it's like nine feet, eight inches tall. And it's, you know, it's just this incredible, incredible thing. Well, the grizzly was eating trash that had gotten accidentally dumped out and other animals would come and he would chase them off. But a skunk came along and he just stayed there and ate alongside the grizzly. Grizzly did nothing. He knew the high cost of getting even on that, right? (laughs) And sometimes grizzlies know more than we do. Because we've got to let go for our own sake. We've got to let go of the right to get even. You only have X amount of emotional energy. And unforgiveness depletes it like crazy. In fact, when someone comes to me and says, I am so depressed. One of my first questions is, are you holding a grudge? Have have you got some unforgiveness that you haven't let go of yet? Because it just depletes you. So you have a question, do I want to get well or do I want to get even? You can't do both. And I always think, who's better at justice, you or God? God's going, let me be the one to do that. You just relax, enjoy my peace, enjoy my rest, live in my grace, let your heart be at peace. I've got this. That's what forgiveness is. Does that change your, your thoughts about it at all? It's not, just, it's not letting them off the hook. It's saying, here God, you do what you do. I'm gonna do what you ask me to do. Number three, respond to evil with good. Just redeem the pain. What God is asking a lot of us to do is to walk with others who are, have experienced the same pain. It's so amazing. As I've been studying a lot about trauma lately, how it's so common. The things that we all go through when we experience it. It's, the Bible says nothing has come on us that's not common to mankind. And, and so that's so important to know that we get a chance to walk with others in their pain. As God walks with us in ours. And then lastly, and here's the big, another really big one. Repeat the process as long as necessary. Remembering. Forgiveness is not a feeling. See, a lot of us have thought forgiveness is a feeling. I talk to people all the time. If I forgave them, I would just be a huge hypocrite. I would. I, I, I don't feel it. Well, there's a huge biblical truth, and that is emotion follows motion. God didn't say, I want you with all of your feelings to forgive someone. He says, I want you to choose from your heart to forgive someone. It's the same thing in marriage. You know, I've I to people all the time. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna start being romantic toward my husband when I feel romantic toward my husband. It ain't gonna happen. The Bible says love is patient, love is kind. It goes into all these, it's all these actions. You start acting in a different way. Feelings always follow. I, I'm gonna start being considerate of my wife when she deserves it or when I feel like it forget it you know emotion always follows motion when you act in a certain way you start to feel that way remember your story is an explanation of your feelings it's not an excuse for your actions your story is an explanation of why you feel like you do but it's not an excuse for your action here's the question Every angry man and woman needs to consider how long are you going to let people you don't even like, people who are maybe no longer in your life or maybe people who aren't even alive anymore to control your life? How long? Forgiveness isn't a one-shot event. You might have to make that choice over and over. The deeper the hurt is, the more you'll have to say that. What I do is... I always just remind myself that I've forgiven them. God, I, I gave that over to you. I laid that at your feet. And then I feel those emotions again. And I said, oh, I feel, I feel everything again. God, I remember that I laid this at your feet. I wanna make sure that we just keep it there. I don't wanna pick it back up. You know, just let it stay. Peter said, Lord, how often should I forgive somebody who sins against me? Seven times? See, Jewish culture said you Forgive three times, that's it. Three times, that's what the law said. You forgive three times, and so Peter doubled it and added one and thought, woo, look at me. And Jesus says, no, more like 70 times seven, which is like forever, right? 490 times, but that's not what he meant. He meant just, just keep on forgiving. You don't understand, Mark. How can I ever forgive that person? How could I ever do that? Do you know how much... They hurt me. No, I don't know that. But I believe you. God knows that. I could never forgive that person. That's why you need Jesus. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, as we accept what he did on the cross for us, he enables us to forgive as he did. And we can make that choice. I want you to close your eyes. Just block out everybody else. And if you are holding a grudge, if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, and maybe it was the most horrific, most evil thing done against an evil, uh, by an evil person against an innocent little child, or maybe it's something recent, I want you just, with no one looking around, you just clench your fist in front of you. You can hold it up if you want to or you can just hold it out in front of you. Hold it out clenched, okay? Hold it really tight. Squeeze it tight. Now just imagine that you're speaking to that person. This is why I've hated you all these years. This is why I resent you. This is why I felt so hurt. Just let it out. And then say, Because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for me and his grace in my life, I release you into his justice. I release you into his hands and open your fist. Maybe you felt a tremendous relief. Maybe you didn't feel anything because feelings Aren't what this is about. It's that choice that you're making. And you can do that over and over. You can feel that clench of your fist. And then you can open it and lay it down at God's feet. There's something so powerful about this. There's something so life-changing about this. Health will begin to come back to you. Life will begin to flow. Synchronicity with the universe begins to happen because you've lined up with that feedback loop. When you forgive, it comes back on you. Some of you, you got a lot of stuff piled up in your life that God hasn't forgiven. Because Jesus said bluntly, if you hold unforgiveness, God won't forgive you. We need his forgiveness so, so badly. So as you release this, suddenly all of that is forgiven. All of that is gone. Father, we need you in this moment. Some of us were able to do that, some of us are still, our, our fists are clenched so tight. Maybe we didn't do it even physically, but inside of us it feels like that. God, I ask right now through the power of your spirit inside of us. Maybe we've never come into that relationship with you and don't have your spirit there. I pray that anyone who hasn't would just step in and say, I receive what you did for me on the cross, your forgiveness for me, and then take that power and be able to open those clenched fists. I say, come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God over us. And don't let any of us in this day, don't let the sun go down on us without us releasing that person into your justice stepping out of your way. Stop trying to be God and let you be God for us and find the release and the relief and all of your blessings and forgiveness and grace that flows when we do that. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for letting us share with you about that. We also, are, we have a, a, a trauma workshop that's coming up really soon. Finding in freedom. fact, if you want to text uh to 97,000 can you put up on the screen that trauma workshop you can text to 97,000 those that little phrase and you can get signed up for the trauma workshop so do that too all right love your community of faith you have a great day